Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon forms part of our series on the book of James. For more sermons in this series, please see our website www.venturechurch.co.za. Well, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be with you and to share the word with you all again this morning. Um, We thought we would be back uh, live in the hall today, but uh, that wasn't to be, but that's uh, not an issue. Uh, We we know that we're heading in the right direction and it won't be too much longer when uh, we'll all be gathering together, we'll all be fellowshipping together in the hall. And uh, we'll be doing so not just as a church, but as a family. So that's really something we can look forward to Uh, in the coming uh, months, hopefully. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17 says this. It says that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This morning, we once again have the immense privilege of having God breathe over us this morning as we turn to the scriptures. That very breath of God that that he spoke all of creation into comes and breathes over us every time we turn a page in this incredible manual of life, the Bible. God breathes life into you and I by teaching us, by rebuking us, by correcting and training us in righteousness. And why? So that you and I may be thoroughly equipped That's not sort of equipped or kind of equipped, but completely and fully equipped for every good work. Work, which Ephesians 2.10 tells us, God has prepared in advance for us to do. I don't know about you, but that's exciting. It's exciting because there is still work to be done. So may we be encouraged with the word this morning as, as the living word comes and moves us, as God breathes over us moving us on and beyond, moving us to the more that God has called us to. Awesome. Cool. So this morning, uh, we continue to work through the book of James. And this morning, I'll be reading from James chapter 5, verse 7 to 12. And uh, I'll be reading out of the NRB this morning. And uh, this is what it says. It says so. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, and you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven, nor by earth, or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. So until now, we've seen uh, James encourage his Jewish audience to stand strong uh, in their faith in the midst of the trials that they were facing. Uh, He calls them to exhibit true Christian character, uh, um, especially as they needed instruction and and direction when it came to issues such as spiritual apathy, uh, disunity and materialism. 
He goes on to say that, that a refusal to change character and conduct was a sign of dead faith. As we read further in chapter 5, as we have, we see James continue to encourage his, his uh, audience, uh, especially those who were suffering and oppressed. He does so by highlighting certain areas that they, they need to be aware of. Areas which are all in reference to one overriding focus. And that is the blessed hope and promised return of Jesus Christ. Now nothing has changed since that day, then and now. We all have the same, are all in the same situation, should I say. Whatever we say, whatever we do, whatever we call to, our mission, our mandate, uh, our ministry, whatever you want to call it, all points to that one fact. Till Jesus returns for his bride. When James speaks of, of patience in suffering, it's in reference to Christ's return and eternity. When he speaks us to stand firm, he tells us to stand firm, it's in reference to Christ's return and eternity. When he speaks of us to speaking about character and conduct, the same applies. Let's have a look at some of the areas that James has called us to look at uh, um, uh, when we stand in the face of trials. And the first thing I want us to have a look at this morning is to have patience in our struggles. James calls us to have patience in our struggles. Now, not many of us are patient, and I, for one, struggle immensely with this. I have a big problem with patience. Uh, we are not a society that is built on patience. Uh, it's a microwave society. It's want it now, want it quickly. Um, and when we don't get it, we, we get angry, we get upset, uh, and we lose, our, we lose our tempers and certainly our sense of humor. Um, I don't know a single person who likes to stand in traffic, waiting traffic at a, re at a robot, and certainly not standing in the queue at, say, Woolworths Food Court. Uh, we don't like waiting. If you want to know what a nanosecond is, it's, it's that time between the green light turning and you not moving off and somebody behind you jumping on the hooter wanting you to move off. We are not a patient people. And because of this, we fly off the handle far too quickly and we get ourselves into trouble far too easily. We want our stuff and we want it now. Take when our kids are born. Uh, we can't wait for them to leave the house. To take, uh, we can't, sorry, can't wait for them to, to, to grow up and say their first word or to take that first step. And then we get into the if only mode. If only I was older. If only I could uh, go to that party. If only, if only I could get my license. If only I could get that job. If only I could get that promotion. If only I could get married. If only I could have kids, have a family. If only, if only, if only. It's a go, go, will push, push. Not interested in the pause button. Not interested in the slow down and smell the roses button. We don't know how to slow down. We don't know how to exercise patience. We don't know how to wait. One thing about this COVID-19 is it's obviously come with its immense pressures. It's been extremely challenging for all of us. But one thing, and if I can say anything positive about it, it's this. It's that we've had to learn patience. It's that we've had to learn to slow down. We've had to wait for things to reopen. Schools. Shops, restaurants, we've had to wait. We've had to learn patience. Maybe it's slowed down a little bit too much, but the point is, is it's always good to try and learn something 
uh, out of the difficult times. And that's what James is saying. We need to learn patience. So let's look at some things about patience. Well, first of all, patience is not doing nothing. It's working while all the time waiting. In verse 7, we read, See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. I've never known a farmer who, once he's planted his crop, sit back and just wait for them to come up. He's always busy. He's mending the tractor. He's, he's feeding, feeding the cows or milking the cows. He's, he's feeding the pigs. He's, he's, he's doing something. He doesn't just sit around waiting. He keeps on working even while the crops cannot be seen. As Christians, we too are called to the same. We are to continue to work hard until the day that Jesus comes back for us. Patience is patience. Obvious statement. God's purposes are worked out over long periods of time. And that requires patience on our behalf. No farmer sows his seed and then goes out a week later expecting a harvest. He doesn't give up when his crops don't come to harvest immediately. He waits patiently going on about his business. Patience should not be confused with laziness. And we've discussed that. We aren't lazy. We are doing something while we are waiting patiently. Patience provides clarity. For centuries, the people of Israel cried out, Oh Lord, oh Lord, how long, how long must we wait till we are delivered from this oppression? In fact, they're still crying that out when Jesus comes and walks among them. Their impatience blinded them to the very fact that the deliverer was among them. And that's what patience can do. It can blind us. Patience is depending on God rather than ourselves. We're too quick to want to to do something religious, to try and solve the problem. Let's wait on the Lord. Depend not on your talents and abilities, but on God's promises and on his faithfulness. Joyce Mayer said this, she said, Patience is not simply the ability to wait. It's how we behave while we're waiting. Psalm 37 verse 7 says this, Be still then before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in his ways, over the man who carries out evil devices. Let's wait. Let's be patient. Our time is coming. And there's a great reward for us who are patient. Now this type of patience that I've been speaking about is what I like to call normal patience. It's it's patience in everyday normal situations and circumstances. And while James calls us to have this type of a patience, in verse 10 he calls us uh, to have uh, a patience that is beyond a normal patience, if I can put it that way. It's patience in reference to a particular context. And the context that he's referring to is patience in the, in, in, in the light of difficulties, sufferings, and persecutions. I love how the Oxford Dictionary defines patience, and it, and it says this. It says, it's the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, to accept or tolerate problems or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. Other synonyms include forbearance, tolerance, perseverance, and endurance. As Christians... This is what 
uh, James is, is saying to his Jewish, Jewish audience and, and as well as to us this morning, to have the capacity to tolerate delay, to, to accept the problems or the sufferings, to not become annoyed or anxious. Now that sounds great, but, but if only we could, if only we could say, okay, well, we'll tolerate the delay, uh, we can accept our problems, we can, we, we can take the suffering without getting annoyed or anxious. That, that would be great, but unfortunately that's not uh, very easy to do, and I know very few people who probably are able to do that. It's one thing to have patience while, while you're stuck in traffic or, 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 or you uh, waiting for a taxi to move out of your way. That's, that's one kind of patience. But, but the patience we're talking about here is what if you are waiting patiently just as you're struggling through an illness? What if you have to wait patiently as you mourn the death of a loved one? How do you wait patiently when the money is running out and uh, the business isn't coming in? Patience I'm talking about is patience under pressure. As an encouragement this morning, uh, let's look at how some of the great men and women of faith uh, were able to exercise patience in the midst of the problems that they faced. And uh, first of all, we see that uh, what they did was they focused on God and not their situation. They focused on God and not the situation. They didn't listen to naysayers. They kept away from negative people. You know what they say about negative people? They've got a problem for every solution. It's true. These great men and women were grounded in the word and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's focusing on God. It's, it's listening to the right people. It's being grounded in the word and being filled with the Holy Spirit that enables us to stand Strong. Stand firm. And this is, leads me to my second point that I want to make this morning. Standing firm. Verse 8. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Now, as I've mentioned, God calls us to be patient, but he also calls us to stand firm. That is to stand unwavering in faith in spite of what the circumstances may look like. If you've ever walked on muddy or marshy ground, you'll know that it's, it's difficult to walk. You start to sink in and you lose your balance and, and you constantly lose your footing. It's difficult to, to, to walk in, those, uh, in, in that type of uh, environment. And life can be like that. One minute we're walking on solid ground, the next... We're off the path and we're finding ourselves in some treacherous uh, uh, paths. I want us to look at some people who stood firm in the midst of their challenges. And one of the guys who stood firm was Paul. Paul stood firm. In 2 Corinthians 11, 25 to 28, he writes this. He says, three times I was beaten with rods and I was pelted with stones and, and shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night at sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been danger from I've been in danger from rivers and bandits and, and, and fellow Jews, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I know hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and I've been naked. Here's a guy who was battered around. 
But you know what? Paul stands firm. He endured it all. And you know what? He doesn't just endure it all. He doesn't just stand firm. He goes on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. That's pretty standing firm. And why does he do this? Why does he, how is he able to stand firm? And he, and he writes this, he says, for the unsurpassing uh, knowledge of knowing Christ. The unsurpassing knowledge of knowing Christ. Another group of people who stood firm were the Israelites. They come out of captivity. Uh, they get to the Red Sea. Uh, we see Pharaoh on his way back to, to recapture them and take them back into slavery. And as they stand on the shores there, uh, Moses says to them in Exodus 14, 13, he says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Are you at the end of your road? Are you at the Red Sea? Nowhere to go. Fearful of that which has, been, which has kept you in bondage. Is going to pull you back into slavery? Or do you stand firm? Do you believe that the seas will part and you will move through? You will move ahead and you will move on. Never again seeing the problems that you're currently experiencing. Freed and delivered in the mighty name of Jesus. The Israelites stood firm. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. The three Hebrew boys who, who uh, wouldn't bow down to the idol. They stood firm. Before they stood firm, they actually just stood up. When everybody's bowing down, they stood up. They stood up and they stood out. And guess what? When they stood, their faith rose and doubt was destroyed. Doubt is one of the most powerful weapons that, that the devil uses and he robs us. He robs us. If he can get you to doubt, he'll get you to sin. Don't doubt what God can do in and through you today, through any circumstance that you might find yourself in. Stand up. Stand firm and cast that doubt into the pit of hell where it belongs. God is not a man that he should lie. So trust and believe in him today. Stand on those promises of God. Believe for that healing. Believe for that financial breakthrough. Believe for whatever it is that you're wanting. Don't doubt. Don't be robbed. Believe God as you stand firm. When those Hebrews, the Hebrew boys stood firm, they had an, an intimate in the encounter with God in the furnace. Sometimes our greatest revelations come in our most difficult places, in the furnace situations. You know, and it's sometimes in those situations, in those environments, it's where we hear the clearest. It's just how it is. Not always how it is, but it's how it works out sometimes. And when we stand firm, we give the others the courage to stand firm. Another one who stood firm was, was Job. He stood firm and, and he endured after losing his wealth, his friends, his family. He's told to curse God and die. His friends come to him and say, you've got some kind of hidden sin, man. That's why you're going through these trials and tribulations. What does he do? He doesn't listen to them. He doesn't listen to the guana that they're talking. What does he say? He says, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Who are you listening to today? Who are you listening to today? Are you listening to men or are you listening to God? 
Listen to God and be filled with faith. Listen to men and you'll be filled with doubt. Job endured and God restored. He restored to him more than he had before he had, before he underwent his challenges. James wanted us to know as believers that what we're enduring will come to an end when Jesus returns. And when he returns, not just will be everything, not, 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 not will everything just be restored, but more will be added. Our great hope and reward is beyond the grave. It's spending eternity with Jesus to enjoy what he has gone ahead to do. Scripture says that no eye has seen, no, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive the place that God has prepared for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. We can't even begin to imagine what lies ahead for us. It's worth the wait. It's worth the pain and it's worth the suffering. And then most importantly of all, Jesus stood firm. Jesus never wavered from the purpose from which he came. Never, he never wavered for the purpose for which he came. He could have said, listen, guys, I'm out. I'm done with him. I'm not going to stick around anymore. No ways, man. They're not worth it. But you know what? He stood firm and he stuck to his guns. He endured the pain. He endured the suffering, the mockery, the cursing, the spitting in the face, the beatings and the accusations. He even endured the cross. He stood firm and he conquered sin and death so that you and I could walk on a firm, solid path into eternity. Thank you, Jesus, that you stood firm for us, that you made a way for us. Life is tough, and it has the tendency to want to keep us off balance, keep us struggling through marshy, mucky, muddy situations. How are you standing today in COVID-19? Are you standing in, in muddy waters, in, in uh, soggy foundations, or are you standing in uncertainty, worry and despair? Well, I want to encourage you this morning that God says, stand firm on my word and on my promises. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But guess what? It did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Psalm 18.2 The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and my horn of my salvation. My stronghold. Stand firm on the only one and sure foundation, Jesus. You know, we can, we can stand on foundations of wealth and money and ability and status. And that'll last for just a while. But I tell you what, eventually it's going to crumble. When the storms come, they won't stand up to it. 1 Corinthians 3. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the only foundation we need. So let's be a patient people. Let's be a, a people standing firm in the good as well as the bad times. And then lastly, James wants to encourage us to not just be patient and stand firm, but also to, to exhibit good Christian character in the midst of our trials. 
Point number three, James says, keep your character in your trials. Verse nine, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Now, Francis judge, and as much as he doesn't want us bickering, we're talking about the judge at the end of time, where books will be opened and people will be judged. Times of, hard, of hardship, will, they can cause us to become less than, than loving Christians with our brothers and sisters. And James reminds us that we cannot become grumblers lest we be condemned. When we grumble against one another, we dishonor God and we, and we taint his image. Watch your character. Watch what you're saying. Watch what you're doing. It'll strengthen or destroy your testimony. Ephesians 4.2 calls us to be patient and bear with one another in love. When things aren't going well, when it's, when it's been a tough week, when you're being oppressed and you're not feeling lack and things are coming all against you, it's easy to take things out on those closest to us. We become irritated and we start to attack others. Nothing destroys Christian character and image quicker than believers grumbling and moaning, bickering and whining. That they've been, it looks like they've been baptized in prune juice, man. Oh, this and oh, that. And man, the world's looking at us, and, and this, is, this is our God who's supposed to be with us in tough times, trying to get through. And this is, this is what you're exhibiting. Be careful, people. Be careful. We can't be grumbling and moaning against our brothers and sisters in a time like this. I read once that it says, if we start using the sickles on each other, we're going to miss the harvest. So good. We can't be doing this to each other. We miss the purpose for which we came. James goes on in verse 12 and he says this, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven nor by earth or anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. Lest you condemn yourself. God's word is either yes or no. It's, it's black or white. There are no gray areas when it comes to God's word. Don't compromise the word of God with the maybe. Well, maybe I'll pray. Oh, maybe I'll go to the nations. Maybe I'll read my Bible. Maybe. Rather, yes, I'll go to the nations. Yes, I'll pray for you. Yes, I'll read my Bible. And then do it. You seen that movie, Starsky and Hutch? Do it, do it, just do it. God says, just do it. And I'm going to finish off now. Jesus is coming back. And until then, we can, accept, we can expect hardships. And just because we save doesn't mean we're immune to the effects of a sinful world. Jesus says that in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome. So don't be surprised when, when, when life isn't easy, when it's tough and it's difficult. But know too that you can also overcome. We're encouraged to patiently endure these hardships until Christ's return. For there will be a day of reckoning for those who oppress, as well as a day of celebration for those who have endured. Let's not grow weary in doing good when things aren't so good. Let us not stop in our mission and our mandate to know Christ, to make him know, to further his kingdom while we have this opportunity to do so. Let's be a people of good cheer 
people of character and ethics, reflecting the King in all that we do and wherever we find ourselves. Let us stand firm, rooted and grounded and planted in Christ, unwavering in the storms of life. Let it be that we can say, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race and I've kept the faith. I didn't give in. I didn't give up. 1 Peter 1, 6-7 says this, So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It has been tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Let us live a life worthy of the call. Let us live longing to hear those wonderful words of our Savior. Welcome, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we are not alone in this. Father, that you have given us a helper, the Holy Spirit, who comes, he equips, anoints and enables us, Father, to be able to exercise patience in the midst of suffering who is able to come and, and help us through our difficult situations. Father, thank you for uh, the, the, the breath that you breathe over us each and every single day, that you would just blow new life into every situation we find ourselves, Father. Lord, would you blow wind into our sails where we've just stalled and we just feel like we're not going anywhere. We're just helpless and, and, and lost and lost our patience. And Father, whatever it is, Father, would you come and breathe over us again today, Father? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the work that you are doing still in us and through us for your glory. Father, we give all the honor and the glory right now for that. In Jesus' blessed and mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it was a blessing to you. If you want to connect with us further, log on to our website, venturechurch.co.za or connect with us on our various social pages, Instagram and Facebook.